this morning's reading is Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 to 6. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. May the Lord bless his word. Well, this morning we're continuing the series we picked up last week um, where we're talking about being crazy happy and that the fact that God actually wants you to be happy. Um, some of you may come from that old school of thinking as Christians that we're meant to be suffering and we actually show how great we are doing with God if we're suffering. And sometimes, and please don't be insulted if you think it is you because it may be, Sometimes we, you, the reason that you're suffering is because of the way that you act, like some of the choices that you make. And so, yeah, like I think I shared last week, if you speed and those Christmas lights and blue and red ring behind you, that suffering is all of your own choosing. Like um, you want to sort of go, well, I was going to say go to Sizzler and eat heaps of food that Sizzler doesn't exist anymore. If you go to Sizzler and found food there and you ate it, you would be in trouble because it's been there for a while. But the thing is, like, if you go to somewhere it's all you can eat and you accept that as a challenge for that night, I'm going to eat as much as I can, and the next morning you're feeling sort of miserable, it's not because you've exhibited great faith. It's because you've been a bit foolish with the intake of calories the night before. So sometimes suffering is not actually maturity in, in, as a Christian, but this I don't want to know, for, I know this for certain, that God wants us to be happy. God wants us to enjoy life. God wants to bring joy to us. The problem is, is that we kind of look everywhere but at times. We look everywhere except for those places which are eternal. Those places um, we might look at things that may fill our lives such as Things like possessions or, or positions in, in life. I can just get that position ahead or, or relationships, whether marriage or families or more friends than everyone else or I've got the right friends. Like, um, and so that will make me more happy and joyful. But the problem is, is that we live in a life that all those things come and go and they, we sort of pursue them at a great length. Um, it's actually written into the American sort of, I suppose, values the pursuit of happiness is a right to all people. And again, I don't disagree with that, but the problem is the pursuit often leads us down wrong roads and we don't find the happiness that we are looking for. And today we, we want to sort of go back into um, the this um this sermon on um being crazy happy and actually sort of unpacking that a little bit you'll notice we actually read we last week we read all of the beatitudes that are part of the sermon on the mount and today we're sort of breaking it into a smaller chunk and we'll be finish that finish that off next week as we continue through that and so what i want you to do this morning is if you've got a bible here 
open up in Matthew 5. If you've got a phone here, press the buttons and get to Matthew 5 that way. So, um, but we, we, we have this idea that, that God wants us to be happy. God wants us to be happy. God wants us to be in a place where we are enjoying his fullness. Um, and what we need to realize is that happiness is actually on the other side of humility. Now, what do I mean by that? What do I mean that happiness is on the other side of humility? The thing is, if we think that we can sort of go places and find the things that we want and build our life up all of ourselves and finally get to the point going, yes, I'm finally content, I'm finally happy, that's what the world tells us. We've got to be some kind of important. But when we start looking at um, the Beatitudes, we look at Matthew 5.3 and it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now again, when we, when we look at that, when we sort of, uh, I suppose, focus on that idea that the, we, are, we are poor in spirit, we kind of get to the point where we go, oh, wait a second. That's not actually um, that's not actually a good thing, is it? Like being poor in spirit. I want to be dynamic. I want to be passionate. I want to be. I want people to think like oh, I'm super positive, and 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 I, I want to be in a place where oh God can do so many things about me because I'm the, I'm the go-to guy. I'm the guy that people want around at the party. I want people. I want to be the person that people want at church. I want to be the person that people ring when they've got a problem because I've got a great spirit and. Matthew says, um, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. What, what does poor in spirit mean then? Does it mean that you're of bad character? Okay, some of you may fall into that character, that category, I don't know. But, but is it even trying to say that, that it's not, you're not a great person, you're actually quite a bit of a not nice person? No, it's not saying that either. Because when we're in poor in spirit, when... When you are, okay, let's put it this way, when you are poor and you get a big bill in the mail, you realise going, I can't, I can't fix that. Or maybe it's one of those things where, okay, you, your, your bills have been piling up and all of a sudden you go to the dentist. And the dentist is one of those places that hurts when you go in and it hurts when you go out. It, it, they get you twice. Like you go in there, they stick a needle in your mouth and hurt, do all kinds of things. They go in and they stick their hand into your wallet and that hurts just as much. But the problem is sometimes you go to the dentist and go, this is how much it's going to cost you. And then you start looking at these different things and you go, oh, how am I going to pay for this? I'm just going to have to live with this toothache or this problem for a little bit longer or maybe a lot longer. Now, if someone was standing at the counter going, how, how about this? How about you go get the dental work that you need right now and I'll just fix up your bill? Oh, I can't, can't have that happen. Um, but you are in need, aren't you? you? You have a need right now that you can't afford. Yeah, but I'll be able to sort it out myself. And so our independence and pride would stop us receiving money from someone else. Sometimes we do that with God. I think a lot of times we do that with God, where we actually are too independent, too for cool for school, in spiritually speaking, where God wants to give us something and we go, God... Don't worry, I can't do it yet, but I'll be able to do it soon. Just give me a moment. Oh, I'm sure I'll be able to do better with that. Oh, God, I'll be able to sort of mature. I'll be able to sort of find joy. I'll be able to work harder at, at having strength and courage in my life. I'll be able to do better. I'll just be more committed. 
And God is saying, wait, wait, but you have a need and I want to fill it. But when we are poor in spirit, we actually get to a point where we realize that we are humble. We don't realize we're humble. We actually become humble. Most of the time when we realize we're humble, we actually go, oh, I'm really good. I'm humble. And we get pride again. So, so don't even think about being humble. Just be humble. But when we're humble, we actually realize our deep need for God. We've been talking about that this morning. That we, we, the communion table reflects our need for God. There is something in life that I can't do by myself. I cannot save myself. I cannot pick my life up and get it into a place where God will accept me in heaven without him. But it goes more than that. God says, wait a second, you actually need me for a whole lot of things. Now I can accept that and go, great, God, I, I realize I can't do this by myself. Come in and, and, and do what you need to do. Or I can do it in bits and pieces. God, I'll let you into my life. Sundays, Mondays, every second Thursdays, and start, when we've got stuff on church on the Saturdays, that's a good deal, isn't it, God? You can do wonders in that. And God might go, I can do a little bit. But if you give me all of your life and you realize your need for me with all of your life, I can do amazing things. Matthew 9, uh, 10 to um, 13 says, Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house um, that, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician. Those who are sick, but go on and learn um, but, but go on and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus is pointing out to the religious leaders of the day that if you want to receive what I have, you've got to realize your need for it. And this becomes a stumbling block for so many people. It's a stumbling block for Christians. It's a stumbling block for non-Christians. This is a stumbling block because we have to go, yes, I am a sinner. I have to go, I am not good enough for God. I have to go, I have a need in my life. There is a gap in my life that I can't fill. I have to realize that God is bigger than me. I have to realize that what God has done needs to come into my life. And it makes it brings us down to our position where we look up to a holy, worthy and loving God and he's longing to pour this into our lives. But if we have any blockage, if we look around us and go, you know what, yes, I'm a sinner, but would you look at the people on this side of the church? The people on this side, we are closer to perfect than this side. I, I, Pastor Bert's on this side, he does bring the average down a bit, but... Um, um, but but the thing is, sometimes we think like that as Christians. We go, I'm not as bad as that Christian, so therefore I don't need as much grace and salvation as that person. And I'm going to sort of use a theological term. <laughs> You're wrong. Like it's You are really wrong with that because we are all in that position. We are sinners and then we are saved. We are outside of God's grace. We are in God's grace. We are unworthy. We are redeemed. There's, there's like there's two stages, and sometimes we think we can create a third one. Now, for non-Christians, this becomes really hard because they've never got to the point before where they 
they have to say there is someone greater than themselves. Someone, something outside of them that says, you are a sinner, you need forgiveness, and I've got it here for you. It is the hardest thing for, for unbelievers to do is to, to fall down spiritually and physically at times on their knees and say, I need God. But that's why that first beatitude is, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. When we are able to be humble before God, when we realize our position before God, when we realize our need for God, all of a sudden we make ourselves available for all that God has for us. I want to look at Matthew um, 5.4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, what is that verse doing there? We are talking about being crazy happy. We are talking about the idea that when God talks about people that are blessed, we talked of the phrase, oh, how happy are. That's one of the translations that, oh, how happy are those who mourn for they can be comforted. I know some of you are probably mourning right now. Some of you have mourned in the past year, past few years. And when we mourn, we, we go, wait a second, this is not happy. This is not a joyful time. And here is Jesus. This is Jesus speaking to us. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And what we need to realise is that when it comes for crazy happiness, Mourning is part of the journey. Mourning is part of the journey. Because there are times that as I've gone through mourning, God has been able to step up to a plate that I didn't even realise that I had sitting there. When, when the pain comes on so strongly and, and, and you... Like I was, I've been talking to some people recently. Sometimes in mourning, some of my prayers are not not righteous or holy, not even close. Like what I'm saying is, I'm going, God, what did you think you were doing when they allowed that to happen? And this is this is a God who loves me. God allows me to say those things. God says, Hey, you are hurting right now, and I'm going to sit here. I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to be there for you as you do that. And it becomes this opportunity for us to, to pour our hearts out fully to God. And you know what? It's taken me a while to learn this, and maybe some of you aren't there yet, but when I mourn, when I feel sorry for, and when other people do the same thing, God cares more than I ever did. God cares for the people who have who have, have been lost. God is caring for the people that are mourning, and 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 that idea that sometimes creeps in your head. God, don't you care about me? God's heart is breaking more than mine is, and yet God is wraps Himself around me. Psalm thirty uh, verses four and five: Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holy name, for His anger is but. For a moment, his favour is for a life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Yes, weeping is part of this journey. Weeping is part of, of experiencing the full life that God has for us, but God promises us that his joy is on the other side of that. As we realise that in those moments, God loves me, God cares for me, God challenges me. All of a sudden, I don't have to sit back and go, 
woe is me. And what better joy even when we have to mourn, when we face struggles in our life. And this is not just mourning the life of someone we've cared about. It may be mourning about the struggles that we face in life. And sometimes if we don't mourn, we don't see God work through those struggles. We don't see God's blessing on the other side. And that's why blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. They will receive in fullness from God. Well, let's jump on to Matthew 5.5. 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Hated this verse when I was younger. Why? Because I read it, blessed are the weak, for they shall inherit the earth. I don't want to be weak. I don't want to be someone who's, Christians are always seen as weak. I don't want to be someone who steps over. Like, I, I want to be like just like Samson. But Samson like very had poor, very, very poor and moral character, but he killed people left, right and centre. That's the kind of Christian I want to be. Maybe improved moral character, but like, yeah, donkey jawbone stuff. Like, But that's not what we call blessed are the meek, for they inherit the earth. It took me a while. It did take me a while to realise that meek does not mean weak. It doesn't. Was Jesus meek? Okay, okay. We've we've got a few nods that like a hesitant nod. It's like, oh yeah. Okay. So I want to see a definite nod. So I want you either shake your head this way, this way. Okay. So that one's no, just for you, and that one's yes. So was Jesus meek? Okay. Some people still not certain which way the head goes, but it's okay. Um, was Jesus weak? How do we see that Jesus wasn't weak? What was that one? He died on the cross. Was that a weak thing to do? He actually chose that. He actually stayed up there by himself. When the Pharisees stood before him and said, why don't you come down from the cross? He could have done that. He had power and chose. That is a brilliant answer. If I had chocolates, I'd throw them, but I don't, so um, just imagine them. He had power and didn't use them. Um, like even, even I've shared this story before. If you have never seen him before, read John when the soldiers come to get Jesus and they come up like a, like a big lot. of So this is be muscles, armour, spears, sword. They come up to get Jesus and they go, and we're looking for Jesus. And Jesus stands there. I imagine the disciples are trying to look brave a distance back from Jesus. I, I imagine that distance would have been like this as the soldiers approached. And Jesus didn't move. He just stayed where he was. And when they asked the question, this is what he did. I'm the one you're looking for. Now, in the book of John, what is recorded is that all of a sudden, all the soldiers who were standing at attention, ready to arrest Jesus, use force if necessary, went like this. Bang! They all, knocked, all got knocked over. And I'm just imagining what were they thinking as they got up again, going, if this guy doesn't want to be taken, he didn't even have to say anything and we fell over. And I think Jesus was just making a point, you cannot take me if I don't want to go. And again, he just shows his love for us in being choosing that. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is actually strength under control. I don't know about, about as growing up, you always thought your dad was the strongest person in the world. 
Like you could you could do different things. He could like break apart stuff that couldn't be broken apart. It would have tools to be able to do that. Um, sometimes that's a front that we dads put on. Like um, sometimes we can't open that bottle up that like um, and sometimes like we can't even do it. Like we've got to go get a, some some tools to open up. I don't know, but but the thing is, being a dad, like yeah, I think part of being a dad, part of being a man is being strong. That's how God has made us. We are there to protect. We are there to to look after our families. But strength is not cruelty. Strength is not viciousness. Strength is not sort of control over people. Strength is meekness. It's strength under control. In my family, I I get to protect them. I get to protect them from moths, um, um, other insects, mice, um, spiders, yep, I do spiders. Um, I've tried. I have done snakes before. I haven't been always successful. Um, and so, um, but we're not even going to go there on that one. But the thing is, again, in 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 my home, I remember years ago watching a a, a comedy concert by Ken Davis, and he was sharing that night. He said, "Tonight, if there was a fire, I would do everything I could to get you out of this place. I would I would willingly sacrifice me to save you. But tonight, you are unlucky, because my family is sitting in the audience tonight." And because of that, if there's a fire here tonight, you better watch out because I'm getting them out of here first. That's part of our job in, in, in a family. But the thing is, it might be you need to show strength in your workplace. You don't need to be vicious. You don't need to be crazy. You don't need to put other people down. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. And Matthew 11, 28, 30 to 30 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, what this verse means is that when we walk with God, Blessed are those who are meek. So we go, blessed are poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who are meek. All of a sudden, in our meekness, our strength flows from relying upon God, knowing that we can't do it ourselves. And what happens, Jesus uses this farming picture that the people would have been very aware of and this idea of a yoke. And so all of a sudden, if there was a lead yoke and you got put in there with it, you would help out a bit. But the lead oxen would actually take a lot of the strength. And that's what happens when we are partnered up with Jesus. All of a sudden, we are actually partnering in with his strength. We are partnering in with him and he is able to lead us and guide us and pull us through those difficult times. It's much like, have you ever had one of your kids help you push something, a trailer or something like that? And like, and come on, guys, and, and you'll have one of one children, one of the children you will have, and they're barely even touching the trailer. And they'll be bragging about how much they helped. It's like that. When we are yoked with God, we may not be doing very much work at all, but our strength is amazing because God is the one who's there for us. So blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they should be filled. We should be hungering and thirsting for the right things. 
Our issue is not hungry and thirsting. Like, if you took some time to think about the things that you have pursued in your life to fill those different needs, some of you maybe sort of look back and go, you know what, that wasn't a good choice I made. Or that, that, those five years that I lived weren't a good choice, I was pursuing the wrong thing. For some of us, we may not even realise that we're still pursuing the wrong things. We're actually hungry and thirsting and we're trying to fill that up with, with things that aren't going to actually meet our hunger and thirst. If you're stuck out in the desert and all you've got in the car is, is, is engine oil, it looks like a liquid. It won't be really good in actually meeting your thirst. We need water. We need to be able to rely on that. Psalm 42 uh, verses 1 and 2 says, As a deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you. O God, my soul thirsts for, for my God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? When's the last time that you have run in such a way that your mouth was dry? Some of you can sort of think about it. It might be a bit closer for some of you. And you are so thirsty that you feel like pouring the water bottle and it just bubbles over your face because you, your mouth is dry, your throat is dry. The psalmist here is talking about a, a deer that longs for the fresh water to, to fill it up, to, to, to quench its thirst. And then the psalmist goes, like that, my soul pants for God for the things that he has for me. We should be hungry and thirsting for the right things. Now, there is a problem here. Some of us have no idea what the right things are at all. Some of us have a few of the right things in our life. Some of us are going really well. Some of us are in the position where we're going, I don't really need to hunger and thirst right now. And so... This is what I want you to do with that. I, I want you to be practical. One, I want you to pray, God, create a hunger and thirst in my life for you. I want you to pray that prayer. I want you to create in me a hunger and thirst for righteousness and for you in my life. And then in doing that, the places that you'll find out about that are going to be at church they're going to be in your Bible. It's going to be in times of prayer. It's going to be in times with other Christians. All of a sudden, you're going to realize the things that you might be pursuing that to fill your life are not bringing you contentment. But you'll notice in the lives of other Christians, well, that's actually making them crazy happy. What do I need to do to get that in my life? And actually sort of start pursuing those things. Hey, God, I want a better relationship with you. How do I do that? Get into God's word. Open it up. Read about it. Um, pray to God. Like, don't just let your Bible or your, your, your mobile phone collect dust. I know your phone won't collect dust, but I'm just trying to put that out there for you. Like, um, don't, don't get distracted playing games or Facebook or whatever else before you actually fill your life with God's word. Live for things that will actually count for eternity. So as we continue to unpack this idea of crazy happy, we see these verses talk about the, the being blessed. Oh, how happy are the people that are poor in spirit. Oh, how happy are the people that mourn. Oh, how happy are the people who are meek, 
Oh, how happy are the people that hunger and thirst for righteousness. If you want to sort of begin this journey of crazy happy, those are the things that you need to pursue. Those are the things that you need to correct in your life. When you are poor in spirit, you'll be open to what God wants to give you. When you mourn God and you let God come in and wrap you up in his arms and, and you get to know his love, you will be comforted. When you are meek, you will realize your need for God's strength and you'll be able to exhibit that strength under control. And if you are hungry, hungry and thirsty, make sure you are filling it up with the things that God is desiring to pour into your life. So this morning, as we look at these ideas, as we look to implement them in our lives, I pray that you would take time to truly be blessed this week. Lord, I thank you that you are a God that desires to meet our needs. You are a God who um, is, is actually aware of where you, you need to intersect with our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that as we come together this morning and as we hear from your words and, and the words that Jesus preached on the Sermon on the Mount, that we'd be challenged to be poor in spirit to be humble, to, to be ready to receive that which we can't do ourselves. I pray for those who are facing struggles and hurts in their lives at, at the moment. I pray that they will understand that in their mourning, you have promised to show up and be our comfort. And in that comfort, we will know comfort that is beyond anything else. I pray that we would learn that meekness is not weakness but that we can be strong in you and we can control that strength. We can be strong in our families. We can be strong in our workplaces. We can be strong in our neighbourhoods. We can be strong because you fill us with your strength. And I pray that you would create a desire in us to hunger and thirst after your righteousness and the things that you desire for us to have in our lives. I pray that we would lose taste for those things that take our attention, that really do nothing for us, and that we may be more filled with the things that you desire. We pray this in your name. Amen.